Hallelujah. Thank you, choir, for ministering to my heart. And how often do you get a testimony and then a choir right after that that quotes the same verse? Amen. That's wonderful. So that's for somebody here tonight. Amen. Out of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Praise God. Genesis chapter 25. I mentioned this morning that I feel like the service tonight and next Sunday, the 16th and 23rd, especially these Sunday night services, will be impacting in our lives as individuals. Through the holiday season, it's so easy to, like Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. And it's so easy to go our own way and do our own thing. And it's easy to lose that edge, that edge of unity, that edge of revival, that edge of the Holy Ghost. And certainly we felt that revival spirit here last Sunday in a powerful way and and then through this week and we certainly feel it here tonight but uh, I'm going to ask you to make an extra effort whatever you must do whatever schedules must be changed to be here well you're already here tonight but next Sunday night and then the following Sunday night I don't know that anything that we would have to say or do would be necessarily anything out of the ordinary or unusual but I feel so strongly I know if the Lord tarries what I'm going to be ministering about unless the Lord would direct me otherwise but I already feel directed of him so I think I can say this and uh, you'll just have to come out and see amen Praise the Lord. This is Genesis chapter 25, beginning with verse 20. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Pandaram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, Why am I struggling why are these children in me struggling like this? She went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from you. The one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau, after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. The boys grew. Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. Jacob was a plain man dwelling in the tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore his name is called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. 
Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? Jacob said, Swear to me this day. He swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. He did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. I want to redirect your attention to verse 23. The Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, two manner of people. The one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. And that is the subject for this message. The elder shall serve the younger. Will you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Amen. I don't mind telling you I enjoy preaching, and I hope you enjoy listening to it because I got a wagon load tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Put your Bibles down and let's clap our hands to the Lord and just exalt Him right now. say praise the Lord Lord. and you may be seated praise the Lord this story in the word of the Lord is a powerful story not only in its own proper context but when you consider it in light of other things which I will endeavor to give to you tonight it becomes even more powerful and more meaningful In this passage, these 15 verses that we have read to you, there's a great truth that is illustrated to us that is very pertinent to every child of God or at the least every person, whether they have as yet been regenerated or not by the power of God, but yet are endeavoring to pursue the truth and are endeavoring to be what the Lord wants them to be, regardless whether spirit-filled or not, this passage applies, I believe, in some way, form, or fashion to every person in this building tonight. In verse 22, and if you will allow tonight, I'm sure that you will, I would speak to you from an expository fashion and draw from many of these verses those points which are uh, applicable in our situations. The Bible says, first of all, in verse 22, that Rebecca had conceived and when she found herself with child, she realized that it wasn't just with child, but she was with children. When God blesses, he blesses real good. She just wanted one. And Isaac just wanted one, and she got two. I imagine Brother Paul and Sister Linda, Ty, know a little bit about that. 
When the doctor says, I've got a little surprise for you, you get two for the price of one. And uh, so I'm sure that they were excited. But the scripture says that as time went on, that the children began within her to struggle. And this word struggle means to break, to bruise, and to crush. Now, this wasn't any normal twin jostling. But there was something of far greater significance in this struggle that was going on in the womb of Rebecca. And Rebecca's motherly instinct told her that the struggle that was going on was of greater significance than the normal movements that an expected mother uh, experiences in the gestation period. And she sought the Lord and the Lord began to talk to her a little bit about exactly why there was this kind of a struggle. It was unusual. There seemed to be something of significance in this struggle. And the Lord revealed to her that the reason that there was this breaking and bruising and crushing, if you will, in her womb was because there were two people in her and there was a war that was going on inside of her. There was a bruising, crushing, smashing, breaking battle that was warring in the womb of Rebecca. Can you say praise the Lord? Before a person becomes filled with the Holy Ghost, a person's heart, mind, spirit, and soul are simply ruled by the firstborn of their life. Without giving your heart to God, without being committed, without making a decision for Christ, without being saved gloriously by His grace, a person who goes through this life unregenerated by the power of the gospel absolutely has no, no battle to fight and there is no victory to be won. There is no, uh, there is no opposition that wars against the person who does not know the saving power and grace of God. Their life is to do with as they please. This firstborn person, as we all were at one time, born under the Adam nature, or we say the Adamic nature, going about our lives as we please, listening to the dictates of the flesh, not fighting for anything spiritual, not struggling for anything of eternal value, but the firstborn, the Adam nature, the sin nature, under which every one of us were born the first time, rules and reigns the mind. It rules and reigns the thought world. And you think all kinds of ungodly thoughts and ideas that are contrary to the Word of God. The Adam nature, as it rests and resides in us, when it is uncontested by a warring spirit, namely the Spirit of God, goes through life and our hearts 
are continually devising evil and our hearts whom the Bible says are so wicked that no man can know the heart. No man can know the wickedness that lurks in the heart. And our hearts uh, contrive all kinds of willful things against the Word of God. And of course, in our thinking and in our heart areas, then our lives are a natural extension of these two areas of our, of our being. And these thoughts and these desires in our mind and in our heart are translated into actions in our body, in our mouth, in our tongue, in our hands, in our feet, in the various members of our body that can either be used to give God the glory or to actually be an adversary to the perfect will of God. And for the child, the individual who was born once under the nature of Adam, they go through a life that is uncontested. It is unchallenged, living after the flesh, satisfying every carnal desire, everything that they look at, they want and they take. That is something about the human flesh that every person here tonight knows about. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. That old Adam nature, doesn't want anything good. The Adam nature doesn't want anything that will take you to heaven. The Adam nature doesn't want to do anything that will save your soul. It wants to do those things that are contrary to the word of God. And as long as there is not a fight, it will take you right on out into eternal destruction and damnation. However, when you begin to seek the face of God. When you begin to pursue the will of God in your life, and even on that road of pursuit of the will of God, you encounter this born again experience, being born of the water and of the spirit, hallelujah. Your soul, your spirit, your mind, your heart, your attitude, your everything that makes you whatever you are becomes a battleground. When you are filled with the will of God and with the spirit of God, suddenly another tenant has taken up residence inside of the womb of your soul. Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Everybody say dwell. dwell. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. I took the time to look it up. The word dwell means cohabit. Turn to your neighbor and say cohabit. That's what it means. Everybody knows a little Greek now. You can walk around and around and say, the word dwell in the Greek means cohabit. And everybody will be amazed. This word is significant because it is telling us that when the Spirit of God comes in and takes up residence through the power of the Holy Ghost in the soul of a person, that that 
spirit is the spirit of another world. It's the spirit of another nature. It's the spirit of another person, another being, if you please. And when the Holy Ghost comes in, it kicks over that old Adam nature and says, hey, it's time to make room for somebody else. You've been living the way you want to long enough. You've been going where you want to go long enough. You've been saying what you want to say long enough. And now I'm going to have something to say about it. Praise the Lord. When you receive the Holy Spirit and when the will of God begins to work in your life, that spirit of God that comes in and takes up residence inside, let me say this carefully, the Holy Spirit does not replace your human spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you do not cease to be a flesh and blood individual. Brother Steve's got the Holy Ghost, but he could still feel that pinch. I'm so glad. That means he's still alive and awake, too. Amen. When you get the Holy Ghost, that Holy Spirit doesn't, you don't suddenly walk three feet off the ground and, and uh, you know, have this halo over the top of your head and, and, and you just walk around speaking in tongues all day and don't care about who's around whatever you don't leave me alone I'm halfway to heaven already absolutely not your feet are still on the terra firma you're still walking in the world let me illustrate it this way some of you have already heard this but the high priest when he went into the tabernacle when he went into the holy of holies he was dressed beautifully he had a beautiful ephod on he had a beautiful headdress on he had beautiful priestly garments that were white and beautiful and without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing he was clothed from head to ankle not head to foot because on his feet there was nothing but skin and when he walked into the tabernacle, even though it was beautiful, beautiful linens of, of, of scarlet and, and, and purple and white, it was a beautiful sight to behold the furniture overlaid with gold and, and it was beautiful to the eye, but on his feet there was absolutely nothing. And when he walked, he was walking in the dirt. And that was God's way of saying to us, no matter how spiritual you think you are, no matter how great you think you can get, no matter how powerful for the Holy Ghost makes you feel no matter how high you get on a Sunday night no matter how wild you run around the church and jump and shout and dance and talk in tongues you're still going to have to walk in this world and you're going to have to deal with the dirt of this world and you're going to have to deal with the flesh of this world and you're going to fight some battles hallelujah co-inhabitants Paul said in my flesh dwelleth no good thing in the human spirit there is nothing good of itself <laughs> amen in your flesh 
It's stinking, it's rotten, it's decaying even as I speak unto you. And the flesh is a cruel taskmaster. It will damn your soul. The flesh will destroy you. The flesh of itself will crucify you. The flesh of itself will totally obliterate anything that is spiritual or that is godly. The flesh is the enemy of everything that is eternal. The flesh is the enemy of everything that is spiritual. The flesh is a hostile enemy against anything that is of God. So, here was Esau in the womb, in his own little world, swimming around in that amniotic fluid. Just having a great time. Just floating around. He went upside down and all around. Sucking his thumb. Stretching out. It was peaceful. It was quiet. He was having the best time all there in his own little world and suddenly he bumped up against something that he had never come across before he got kicked like he had never been kicked and may i remind you this wasn't normal wrestling of twins but there was something spiritual going on in the womb of rebecca the lord said rebecca this is not normal this is something beyond the normal you see there's two people wrestling inside there one is trying to get the power over the other one is trying to get the other one to say uncle one is trying to subdue the other it's not just normal stuff that's going on inside of you there is a battle that has eternal implications and rebecca i want you to know there are two people wrestling inside of you and one is going to have control of the other hey man Esau didn't like it but there was nothing he could do about it he was interlocked in mortal combat with his kid brother he was interlocked with somebody that wasn't going to let him have domain in that womb all by himself he was locked in a battle and it would be death to the end Now he had to share that little world. He had to share that little cozy comfort with a co-inhabitant, Jacob, his younger brother. Can you say praise the Lord? Being born again, hear me now. Being born again does not mean that you suddenly become untouchable by temptation. Hello? Being born again does not mean that you suddenly cannot be reached by the enemy of your soul. Hello? Being born again does not mean that, that you can just walk around this world unchallenged, untouched. But I submit to you that being born again simply means that you have introduced another being, if you will, another person, if you will, another spirit, if you will, to that private domain that has been ruled for so long by that Adam nature. 
You know, that old Adam nature, it'll just swim around. It'll kick up its heels. It'll really strut its stuff. But I'm telling you, we need to announce to our flesh tonight, the flesh of life tabernacle, the flesh that is represented here, the flesh that walks in the dirt of this world. We need to serve notice to our flesh. Amen, especially some of you that have been battling with temptation. Some of you that 1993 was a dismal year. It was one failure in subjection to the flesh after another. And you're sick and tired of it. And you're tired of the Adam nature that's been ruling and reigning. You're tired of things coming out of your mouth that you know are not of God. You're tired of actions of your hands and your feet that you know do not please God. You're tired of thoughts that are going through your mind that you know are from the devil, the father of all lies. I want you to know you can introduce another being to your soul. You can kick that old Adam nature over to one side and say, listen here, fella. I'm tired of serving you. I'm tired of bowing to you. And there's another kid on the block. Oh, let's clap hands to the Lord again. Praise God. Amen. The flesh and the spirit are hostile co-inhabitants. The flesh and the spirit fight like cats and dogs, like brothers and sisters. I won't even touch that. The carnal mind is enmity against God. And I think we ought to be a spirit-led church. Not a flesh-led church, but a spirit-led church. We want people to feel something different when they come in this church. We want people to know that the people that serve God in the context of this building and every place else that they go are people who are living sacrificially and their flesh has been crucified and they have been subdued and they do not do the things of this world and they don't entertain the spirits, attitudes, and philosophies of this world. We want people to know that when they come in here, they can be delivered because there is a new kid on the block there's somebody else that's come and taken up residence inside man I won't take the time to read Romans 7 but it's very powerful and brother Jackson alluded to it this morning it was Paul referring to the struggle that was in his flesh he said the things that I don't want to do I do it the things that I want to do I end up not doing it the things that I hate the things that I love are all messed up I wish I could love the things that I hate and hate the things that I love. And he's talking about the struggle that is in his flesh. He said, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will, to do good is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. You know what Paul is describing for us here? He's describing for us here the typical scenario of the spirit-filled child of God who has allowed Esau to kick up his heels and to rule the roost and to sit on the throne room of your heart 
heart. I'm telling you, the Bible said resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. Some of you have been letting Esau, amen, just strut his stuff and kick up his heels and act all kind of ways that he wants to. You need to come against that spirit. You need to let the Holy Spirit and you rise up and exercise your will against the will of your flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's only one way for peace. There's only one way for peace. Let me tell you something. Any kind of a decision, a good decision or a bad decision, will at least give you peace. I meant what I said. Even a bad decision will give you peace. As long as Jonah hadn't bought the ticket, as long as he was wondering, do I have to go to Nineveh? Do I have to obey the will of God? Do I have to do that? He was pacing the floor. He got to the ticket master and he was walking back and forth in front of the ticket counter. Sir, can I help you? Just a minute. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Which way am I going to go? Who am I going to please? Am I going to please God and go to Nineveh? Or am I going to please my flesh and go to Tarshish? And he paced and he walked and he fussed and he carried on and he deliberated and he bit his nails and he twiddled his thumbs what am I going to do where am I going to go finally said I'll have a ticket to Tarshish and he went into the boat and in the midst of a storm he fell asleep even the wrong decision at least will put your mind at ease the only way for peace the only way for peace in the heart of the child of God, amen, is to kneel at an old-fashioned altar of repentance. The only way for peace in the heart of the child of God, amen, is to recommit and dedicate yourself to him. The only way for peace, I'm telling you, that the flesh and the spirit are warring against one another. There's a mortal combat. There's a battle to the end. There is a fight to the death that is going on inside. Hallelujah. Amen. It's time to make the right decision. It's time to make the right move. Amen. It's time to buy the ticket to Nineveh and obey the will of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody's got to take charge. In Genesis 25 verse 23 the Lord said and the one people shall be stronger than the other. One of them is going to win out. Hallelujah. One of them is going to be victorious. One of them is going to conquer. Of the two co-inhabitants of your soul, one will be stronger than the other. One will be more powerful than the other. One will tend to rule the other. One will give the command to the other. One will bark out the instructions to the other. It's just the way that it is. Until you hear Gabriel blow that horn and you feel gold underneath your feet, you are going to be involved in a battle. Abraham Lincoln said, freedom is never won conclusively, but every generation must fight for it. And the same is true in the child of God. Even though Calvary seals our victory, let me tell you that your independent individual victory is predicated upon your daily reliance upon the grace and the power of the Holy Ghost working inside of you. It's never conclusive. 
That's why we got to watch for our souls. That's why we dare not neglect our salvation. Dare we try to escape. Amen. One inside will rule. One inside will reign. The stronger one is the one that you feed. The stronger one is the one that you listen to. The stronger one is the one that you cater to. The stronger of the two is the one that you bow down to. The stronger one is the one that you have built up and given strength to in your life. I know what it's like to wrestle with the flesh because I live in my flesh. I know what it's like to battle thoughts that are not of God, and you do too. I know what it's like to harbor things in my heart that will only destroy me. And I, when I find myself in those situations as I did this past year, my friend, you can mark it down. There was an old Esau that was kicking up his heels. There was an old Esau that was strutting his stuff. There was an old carnal nature, Stan Gleason, that wasn't looking at people and things and situations through the eyes of Jesus. But I was looking through my own carnal, stinking, looking vision. And I wasn't letting God look through me and me through him if you've been listening if you've been wrestling if you've been struggling if you've been fighting with your flesh you need to serve notice to your flesh that that business is over Paul said I've got to keep my body under that word means to box on the chin to make black and blue I've got to crucify my flesh lest that what I have preached to others I myself would become a castaway Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When it was time, when it was time for these twins to be born, it was an exciting day. And I, in my own imagination, can just maybe imagine a little unspoken conversation that happened in the womb of Rebecca. The twins in her room were, if you will, jockeying for position. They were wrestling yet until the very time of her birth. Somehow Esau positioned himself to be the first in line. Ha ha, Jacob. It looks like you're the odd man out. I'm going to be the firstborn. I'm going to be the oldest. You're going to be my little brother. Now, come on, help me now. You're going to be the little pipsqueak. You're going to serve me. I'm going to be older. I'm going to get the head start. I'm going to be smarter. I'm going to be wiser. I'm going to have a jump on you and you're gonna have to serve me. Do you get the picture? Amen. Just when Esau was ready to take his first gasp of air, hear me now, just when Esau was ready for his introduction into the world, he could just about hear doctor and daddy ooing and on. wow. 
What a wonderful looking boy. Just when he was ready to pop his buttons as it were, just when he stepped out into his moment of glory, there was a hand that reached out and grabbed a hold of Esau's heel and said, not so fast, buddy. Don't you get away from me. You're not, I'm not that easy to defeat. I'm not that easy to conquer. And the second born was called Jacob. Jacob means heel grabber. Mm. Heel grabber. Let me make it plain. Amen. When you were born into this world, you were born the first Adam. When you were born into this world, you were born of the Adamic nature. And for the first however many years of your life, you lived without God in your life. Esau did what he wanted to do. But I want you to know God has been pursuing you. God was looking for you. God was searching for you. And he is still pursuing you tonight. Hallelujah. God was on a reach for you. Hallelujah. And there was something that reached out. Maybe in a Sunday school class when you were a child maybe somebody came to your house and told you about Jesus and you didn't understand it but right then and there God sent a Jacob spirit to reach out and grab a hold of the heel of that carnal spirit amen just so that it wouldn't get too far down the road I'm after you Esau I'm coming to get you Esau hallelujah let me preach to those of you that have failed. Let me preach to those of you who feel condemned. Let me preach to those of you who have let Esau out and he's running wild. I gotta tell you tonight, we need to get a heel grabber spirit on us. Amen, don't let things get too far carried away. Amen, don't let sins get too far gone. Don't let disobedience run too far away from the house of God and the word of God and the spirit of God. Reach out in the spirit and grab a hold of that Esau and let him know that he's almost dead. My God. Hallelujah. Jacob was the heel grabber. Not so fast, Esau. Hallelujah. Not so fast. You're not going to get away from me. You see, sins of the flesh, of the mind and the soul and the spirit can get away from you. Let me make it real plain. It can start with just a little cute smile from the cute little thing or the big strong thing at work. Just a little how do you do? And they walk by and boy that cologne smells good. My husband don't ever smell that good. He's a slob when he gets home. Wow, she smells so good. She looks so good. Let me tell you something. If you, that was at 10 o'clock. If you would have saw her at 5.30 in the morning when she first woke up, you'd have thought it was the man from Mars. But you let that little seed thought grow. You let that little innuendo grow. You let that little will of the flesh grow. Young people, some of you have had drugs and alcohol and sexual opportunities offered to you. And if you go ahead and entertain that and think about that and dwell on that and meditate on that and plot it and plan it and strategize it and premeditate it, I'm telling you that little thought of temptation will grow up to be a monstrous sin that will kill you and destroy you. Amen. There needs to be a Jacob spirit here tonight and reach out and subdue. Amen. Those little thoughts. Uh, 
those little ideas and pull them into the captivity of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Some of us had some struggles in 1993. Some of us let Esau push us around last year. Anytime Esau didn't want to go to church, we'd say, all right, Esau, we won't go to church. Anytime Esau didn't want to give his tithe and offering, we'd say, all right, we'll go spend it on something else. Every time Esau wanted to set something before his eyes that was ungodly and would condemn him, we said, okay, Esau, just enjoy yourself. Every time Esau got bitter, every time Esau got angry, every time Esau got offended, we said, go ahead, Esau, go ahead and have your time, just stretch your stuff and kick yourself around and just go ahead and be footloose and fancy free but oh I want you to know 1994 is not going to be that way around here we're not going to let Esau rule the roost we're not going to be ruled by our human spirits we're not going to be controlled by the flesh we're going to be a people that are led by the spirit the Holy Spirit oh I'm telling you it's time for Jacob to kick over Esau amen to spread out his arms a little bit Some of you have let Esau sit on your worship. Some of you have let Esau sit on your victory. Some of you have let Esau shut up your witness. Some of you have let Esau shut you down. I want you to know 94 is going to be the year of Jacob. It's going to be the year of the heel grabber. It's going to be the year of spiritual victory. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Glory to God. The elder shall serve the younger. Oh, my Lord. This flesh is never subdued conclusively, but I'd like to beat it up, kick it around, and slam the door on its hand and foot and toes about three or four times here tonight until that old flesh runs out of here screaming and hollering, have mercy, have mercy, you're killing me, you're killing me. Hallelujah. The elder Stan Gleason was born March 17th, 1957. You heard Johnny James say this, but I heard another preacher say it the other day, so there's nothing new under the sun, unless he got it from Johnny James. The elder shall serve the younger. Elder Stan Gleason was born March 17th, 1957, so you don't have to blow your brain circuits figuring it out, I'm 36. I know I don't look near that old. The younger Stan Gleason was born, water baptized August 1965, spirit baptized August 1966. The younger Stan Gleason is 27 years old. And God said, the elder shall serve the younger. The elder Stan Gleason was born a corruptible seed. 
The elder Stan Gleason was born a child of the devil. The elder Stan Gleason was born not a son of God, but a son of Adam, whose spirit, soul, body, and will were destined to eternal damnation and judgment. But the, old, the younger Stan Gleason had an old-fashioned altar in Camp Galilee where I repented of my sins and was baptized in the lake on the campgrounds. And almost exactly one year later, at my home church at Midway Tabernacle, amen, in an, in an altar, I lifted up my hands and was born of the Spirit at the age of nine years. And I want you to know every once in a while, the younger's got to get out the old sword of the Spirit, amen, and start flailing away at the, at the elder and at the works of the flesh. This battle is never won conclusively. I don't care how long you're in the church or how old you are. Every decade presents a new battle. Every time of life presents a new kind of a war. And it's a constant battle to keep the flesh down so that you can lift up Jesus in your life. Oh, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Some of you remember how you used to be. How the elder used to lead you around like a bull with a ring in his nose. Amen. Some of you remember how the elder used to throw his weight around. He used to throw his age around. He was always telling you the, how much older he was and smarter and better. Some of you remember how the elder used to take you places you really didn't want to go to. Some of you remember how the elder used to make you drink things you didn't want to drink. Some of you remember how the elder used to make you smoke things you didn't want to smoke. Some of you remember the sexual sins that the elder led you into. Some of you remember the drug addictions that the elder had on you some of you remember the will of the human spirit that would rise up and conquer but I want you to know there is a second born that has come into your life and you need not be whipped you need not be stripped you need not bow you need not bend amen the, the, the Bible said that the younger is going to rule over the elder the second born started to reach out Oh, thank God. Come on, elder. You're going to church. Come on, elder. You're going to the altar and you're going to repent. Come on, elder. You're going with me to the prayer room. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, elder. You're going to lift up your hands and you're going to worship the most high God. Come on, elder. Amen. I've listened to you long enough. You've taken me places long enough where I didn't want to go. I've listened to your discouraging words. I've entertained your bitterness. Amen. I've subjected myself to your anger. And now you're going to feel my joy. Come on, Jacob. Where's the Jacob in you? Amen. Where's the Jacob in you? Now, elder, you're going to feel my worship. You're going to feel the thunder of my praise. You're going to feel the subjection of my will to the will of God. It's time for the Jacobs to arise. It's time for the heel grabbers to reach out and claim victory in this year. Hallelujah. Praise God. Genesis chapter 25, verse 27. The Bible said that Esau was a man of the field. He was a man of the outdoors. Amen. And the smell of the field was on him. He was wild. He was restless. For the sun to arise meant only another day to roam the woods, to kill, to hunt, to destroy, to bring back, 
the trophy, the prize. He was a man of the field, a man of the outdoors, a man that was wild, a man that would, could not be controlled, a man who despised the things of God, a man who was restless and wild. Jacob was a man of the indoors. Was Jacob a sissy? Absolutely not. Did Jacob sit around at the sewing, you know, booths and the quilting bees and, you know, serve tea and crumpets? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because I'm not that way. And I hate to hunt. Sorry, guys. I could care less about blowing Bambi's brains out. Now, I will say that I enjoy the venison you give your pastor. I enjoy that. Pay your tithes on your venison. Hallelujah, that'll preach. But I, uh, I'm not, I, I enjoy the outdoors if it's on a golf course or cutting the grass or something like that. I enjoy that. That's fine, no problem. reverence and humility whenever the spirit of God would come around Esau would blow it off but when the spirit of God would hover around Jacob no matter how deceptive he had been no matter what kind of a liar he had been no, what, no matter what kind of usurper and deceiver he had been Jacob would get on his face before God and he would build an altar of worship somewhere and he would rededicate and commit himself to the Lord let me say to you in the fear of the Lord that the Esau in you, the flesh in you is wild. The flesh in you is capable of absolutely anything. Ten years from now, if the Lord tarries without the grace of God, some of us would be places that we would be ashamed of today. Amen, Brother Jackson, you've preached long enough to know that when some people backslide out of a church, that it's absolutely incredible that the sins and the things that they're capable of doing and the lifestyle that they're capable of leading the Esau in you is wild it is a spirit of the outdoors it is a spirit of the world it is a restless spirit it will seek out this and it will investigate that and it will pursue this and it will pursue that the human spirit can be so wild and perverse that the Bible says that when God destroyed the world by water at the time of the flood that the imagination and the thoughts of men were evil only continually the waking moment was only to wake up and wonder what kind of a sin they could do, what kind of an ungodliness they could invent, what kind of a way that they could cheat and hurt and defile their brother. Without the grace of God, we would have the spirit of a beast as Nebuchadnezzar who ate grass like an ox, whose fingers grew out and his hair grew out like the wild claws and feathers of a bird. Amen, Nebuchadnezzar had a wild spirit. But when grace reached out to him again after seven years of living like a beast, he lifted up his hands and his voice to God. And he said, I will exalt the most high God when his sanity returned when Jacob reached out and grabbed the heel of Esau the first thing out of Nebuchadnezzar's mouth was praise and worship to God when Noah was on the ark and the waters began to abate 
after one solid year in that ark, the Bible says that he sent out two birds, each representing something of great significance to us. He first sent out a raven, and the Bible says that the raven went to and fro. That's in your Bible, Genesis chapter 8. The raven went to and fro. It was restless. The nature of a raven is a restless nature. A raven is a carnivorous bird. It is not a clean bird. It is not a clean animal. People do not go out and hunt ravens and eat them because when they pass by them on the roadside and they're eating a rabbit that was run over 5,000 times and laying on the side of the road for three weeks and there's barely nothing left when you drive by the raven you say ooh I don't want to put him on my table the raven was flying to and fro and it never came back to the ark it never came back to the ark it never lighted back down upon the ark do you know why because as it was flying to and fro it began to get weary and it decided not to fly back to the ark where it was clean where it was quiet where it was comfortable where it was safe he looked down and there was some old bloated carcass of an ox or a cow or a goat floating along and the raven just lighted down on that nasty Nasty, corrupt, decaying, ungodly, amen, diseased, infected carcass. And there it began to indulge itself. I'm so glad I'm out of that stinking ark. I'm so glad I'm out here where I can flap my wings a little bit. Oh, it's so nice to have a nice home-cooked meal like we used to have. And that raven revealed its nature. But then he sent out a dove. He sent out the dove. The dove went out. It looked for a clean place. It looked for a place to settle down. It looked for a place where it wouldn't be afraid. It looked for a place, amen, where it wouldn't be corrupted. It looked for a place where it wouldn't be defiled. And it could find no place. So where did it go? I'll tell you where the dove went. He looked down and he saw the raven down there just biting and clawing and pulling and, and getting all kind of wild. But he looked back at the ark. It looked like such a long way. It would have been so easy to lie down there. But that dove began to make its way back to the ark. I gotta get back to the ark. It's safe there. Noah's there. My friends are there. I know that environment there. I've gotta make it back to the ark. Let me tell you something, my friend. The Bible said the Holy Ghost is like a dove. And I gotta tell you that the Holy Ghost won't settle down just anywhere. The Spirit of God won't light just on any old nasty thing. There are some places where the Holy Ghost will not go. There are some attitudes that the Holy Ghost will absolutely have nothing to do with. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost in you is like a dove. It's a clean spirit. It's a spirit of the indoors. It's a spirit of the ark. It's a spirit where there's safety. It's spirit where there is counsel. Amen to the elders. Hallelujah. 
you may feel the wild to and fro spirit of the raven there may be voices of this world calling for you let me tell you something God can change the nature of a raven God can change the restless spirit God can change the spirit that says I want to get out of this church I might be preaching to some young person here tonight you've got a raven spirit on you you've been lighting down on some things that are corrupt some things that are decaying some things that are destructive I want you to know that you need to get up off of that thing you need to fly away from that thing that's corrupt and make your way back to the house of God when Elijah was hungry God sent him ravens to feed him how unnatural that was for a raven to take whatever it was that he was bringing the prophet the raven didn't devour it the raven became a servant the raven became a messenger the raven became something that God could use and I want you to know tonight that God can take a raven spirit a decaying spirit a restless spirit and he can give you the spirit of a dove amen he can give you the spirit of a dove a dove that keeps coming back to the ark a dove that won't just put its pretty little feet down anywhere but a dove that will make sure that it's in a place where you say hallelujah can you say praise the Lord oh bless the Lord Genesis 25 34 Jacob and Esau grew up and you watch and see what happens the heel grabber kept grabbing I'm after you Esau I'm not going to give up I know you got the birthright but you got something I want and every day Jacob would stalk Esau. He watched him. He took notes. He goes out at such and such a time. He comes back in such and such a time. I'm going to find him one of these days when he didn't kill a thing. I'm going to find him one of these days when his massive appetite has got the best of him. Where he becomes so hungry he's dangerous. I'm going to find him at a time when, he's, uh, when I can convince him to sell me that birthright. And such a day happened as Esau was coming back empty handed from the field. And Jacob was stirring. A mess of pot is there over the fire. And Jacob said, give me your birthright. Esau, if you'd like to have some of this to eat. And Esau despised his birthright. It means that he absolutely was indifferent to it. What good is that old stupid piece of paper? What good is that birthright to me now? It doesn't matter one bit to me. And Esau sold his soul for a mess of beans. He sold his soul for a little red soup. He sold his soul for just a little stew. And he walked away and he wiped his mouth and his belly was full but his soul was empty and there are people today that are selling their souls both Christian and non-Christian alike for just a hill of beans just a little taste of something in the world just a little dainty just a little delicacy just a little something that tastes so good that smells so good there's such a spirit in this world of satisfying the flesh amen of having it now of experiencing it now but oh I want to tell you there's nothing in this world worth selling your soul over there's nothing in this world worth losing eternity over hallelujah hallelujah praise God oh praise God hallelujah amen if you've never been regenerated by the power of God then I want you to know the birthright is in the hands of the wrongborn 
If you have never been regenerated by the glorious waters of baptism, the beautiful infilling of the Holy Spirit speaking with tongues, a heart that is freshly committed to the Lord, then I want you to know that the birthright belongs to the one, the wrong individual. I want to tell somebody here tonight, Jacob's been stalking you. Jacob's been after you. Jacob's been reaching out and you felt him grab a hold of your heel every once in a while, pulling you back to the altar, pulling you back to the church, pulling you back to the word of God, pulling you back to the prayer room. Don't get away too far, Esau. I've got something. I, you've got something that I want and I'm going to have it. And not until you obey the gospel, repent of your sins, are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, can the birthright be changed and be transferred to the younger. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. The elder shall, everybody said shall, serve the younger. See, that old flesh, it's a cruel taskmaster. But I love it. I just love it when someone gets saved and Jacob takes over or someone has a revival and Esau was kicking up his heels and Jacob rises up and he subdues Esau. I love to see what Jacob will make Esau do. Oh, I love to see what Jacob will make Esau do. It's beautiful to see grown men weep before the Lord. It's beautiful to see grown women that will worship before the Lord. Women that will be modest. Women that will separate themselves from the world. Men that will humble their hearts under the mighty hand of God. It's awesome to see what Jacob will make Esau do after so many years of Esau making the commands. Esau barking out the orders. Esau dictating to Jacob what it was that he wanted done. It's beautiful to see what Jacob will make Esau do. Church, I know when I'm at my best and I know when I'm at my worst. I'm at my worst when Esau kicks up his heels. But I'm at my best when Jacob will reach up and grab him. Pull him down. Boy, you're going to serve me now. I've been taking it from you long enough. I've been listening to your lies long enough. I can overcome. I can conquer. I can be forgiven. You've been telling me I can't be forgiven. You've been telling me I'll never be anything. I'm going to talk to you a little bit here now, Esau. I can be what God wants me to be. I can be a soul winner. I can be a giver. I can be a servant. I can be what God wants me to be. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'd like to see some of you find your worship in 1994. I'd like to see the Jacob rise up in some of you and God would add a dimension of worship to you that you've never known. But it'll never happen until Esau is crucified and put down. I'd like to see God add a dimension of giving to you, amen, that you've never known. That God would give you grace to give your tithe, your offering, your time, your faithfulness, your prayers, giving your efforts to teach Bible studies, giving your home to entertain small group ministry, giving your family, amen, to youth ministry, to whatever it is that's going on here at the house of the Lord, to give yourself to God's kingdom. I'd like to see what God would do if some of us would reach up with the Jacob spirit and pull down that Esau 
and let God arise. This message tonight is for the entire church. It is for no one individual. And that being said, I would like for this entire congregation to just come and stand with me as close as you can around this altar. I'd like for this section just to come straight forward. This, this section just come straight forward. This section, if you would. And this section over here just come straight forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Everyone is invited. Come as far forward to the front step as you can, please. We've got a good group here tonight, and we want room for everyone. Praise God. Is there somebody here tonight that's tired of letting Esau give all the orders? Is there somebody here tonight that's tired of listening to the, the lies and the ungodliness and deception of Esau? I want you to know that there's a Jacob who reverences the things of God. There's a Jacob that will fall before the Lord. There's a Jacob that will have vision of a ladder ascending, descending down to the earth and angels singing and ascending and ascending. There's a Jacob that will wrestle with an angel and who will say, I won't let you go until you bless me. There's a Jacob who will get all of his relationships right as he did later on with Esau and he fell upon him and he wept and he cried. There's a Jacob, my friend, that God will begin to call his people after the name of Jacob or after the name of Israel. Jacob means a heel grabber, but Jacob wasn't content with that. Amen. God came to him at the time when he wrestled with the angel and the angel said, what is your name? And he said, my name's Jacob, the deceiver, the supplanter, the usurper, the heel grabber. God said from this day forward, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but you shall be called Israel, which means a prince having power with God. You have wrestled well, Jacob. You have grabbed a hold of that ankle well. You have wrestled long enough and now I will promote you to my prince having power with God God wants to change some heart here tonight God wants to change some spirit here tonight God wants to my God I feel the Holy Ghost I feel the spirit of Jacob here the spirit of change in this house tonight I want you to lift your hands your faith and your heart if you need to repent I want you to repent if you need to reach out and grab a hold of Esau then grab a hold of that human flesh and pull him down come on church there ought to be some high praying right now there ought to be some high praying right now oh yes oh my God I'm tired of listening to you Esau somebody here needs to get upset a little bit somebody here needs to get a little aggravated somebody needs to realize that Esau's been ripping you off Esau's been cheating you out of revival Esau's been cheating you out of answered prayer Esau's been cheating you out of a powerful ministry Oh, that's right. Go ahead and kill him. Go ahead and bring him into subjection. Go ahead and subdue him. Pull him down. Hallelujah. Oh, I like to see what Jacob will make Esau do tonight. I like to see some Jacobs rise up here tonight. I like to see some Jacobs take authority tonight. 
Spirit of the dove. Give us a spirit of the dove. Oh Lord, when we go out into this world, God, we don't want to light on anything that's corrupt and decaying. Lord, we want to come back to the ark. Lord, if at the worst, Lord, we will light on an olive tree. Lord, the oil of which from that tree symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Lord, a tree that is freshly washed and cleansed by the waters. Oh, Lord of your spirit. Oh, bless the Lord. Mm. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Oh, that's right. Hallelujah. I feel some wrestling going on. There's some wrestling in the womb of this church right now. There's a struggle going on in the womb of life tabernacle. Amen. Which one's going to be victorious? Which one's going to get the upper hand? Amen. Let's not leave here with Esau in control. Let's leave this house tonight with Jacob firmly in command. Jacob ruling. Jacob reigning. Amen. I call for the Jacob of life tabernacle. I call for the spirit-led child of God. I call for the spirit-directed child of God. My God! Oh, yes! We have wrestled! We have wrestled! Oh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Oh, come on, just wrestle a little bit longer. Wrestle just a little bit longer. My Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jacob wrestled with an angel all night long. We can wrestle with our flesh just for a little while here. The flesh is no match for the Spirit of God if you will exercise your will. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and rule over us. Holy Spirit, come and reign over us Holy Spirit come and rule our hearts Holy Spirit Lord reign sovereign and supreme over us Oh God blessed be the name of the Lord <laughs> <laughs> 